nurse comes and she goes, oh, you're bleeding. And I turn around and it's like, oh yeah, I am. Like someone had taken a bucket of blood and like just splashed it onto the floor between the bed to where I was standing. And I just thought, how, how can this be normal? Eric and I had been trying to conceive for six months. I had thought I would get pregnant immediately. I don't know why I spent 20 years at least trying not to get pregnant. And then I remember it was about three in the morning and I had taken the pregnancy test and it said pregnant. And so I crawled into bed with my husband and I said, we're pregnant. And I remember just beaming the rest of the morning, you know, until I had to get up just so excited, just absolutely excited. And I'd look over at him and he'd have this like petrified, stricken look on his face, you know, like, oh my God, this is really happening. I pretty much knew I was pregnant after the first month. I started gaining weight. It was like every time I get on the scale, I'd be three pounds heavier until I ultimately gained at least 50 pounds. Miserable almost every single step of the way. And it was summertime. It was so hot in Arizona. You know, it's like 115 degrees. And I'm just like waddling around and I'd float in the pool and I was like just bobbing on the water, trying to feel weightless because otherwise I felt like a massive boulder trying to move about. And I just looked like this marshmallow floating on top of the water with these like enormous breasts and this enormous thighs and butt and everything just got so big. I, it's like I did not even recognize myself. The baby really wasn't dropping. I had a really high pregnancy. My, um, the belly came right out from under my breast. It just seemed like it was choking me. You know, it wasn't low at all. It was just felt like it was right in my face. And I would be, I was painting for a solo series at that time. So I would paint for like 15 minutes and I'd lay on the couch for like 20 and eat popsicles and watch movies. That's pretty much how the last three months of my pregnancy went. And then everything seemed to be going okay. I noticed when I would be standing in the bathroom, brushing my teeth or doing something like that, that a little puddle of water would be on the ground, you know, like just a couple inches in diameter. And I was feeling like it was my water breaking, you know? But it wasn't really breaking the way everyone says. It wasn't this giant gush. So I go to the hospital and they swab for amniotic fluid and they said, no, it's not amniotic fluid. You must be peeing yourself. I mean, literally that's what they said. And I said, no, I, I know I'm not like almost, I'm nine months pregnant, but I'm sure that I'm not urinating on myself. And so she said, well, I don't know, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. It's not um, amniotic fluid, so you can go ahead and go home. And so we went home. And then for the next two or three days, it just kept happening, you know, and it, was, it wasn't getting that much more. It was just very consistent. So I went back again, and they tested it, and it was amniotic fluid. And then they said, well, now that we know it's amniotic fluid and you've been dripping amniotic fluid for three days, you have to have an emergency 
induction because at this point they're worried about infection. Um, urgent, everything felt very urgent and kind of stressed. Husband was there and my mother and I was given Pitocin. So that was started the whole process. So I never had one natural contraction ever. It was all chemically induced labor. And with Pitocin, the contractions are far more intense and kind of not spaced out and they don't really build on each other the way you naturally would, you know, where you'd be at home and be like, oh, I'm feeling some tightening and then feel more tightening and then it would get a little closer together and they'd be more intense. It wasn't like that. It was just like instantaneously once that Pitocin hit, intense like labor. And the only position I could cope was standing and the only area I could stand where I could lean against something was the table and right next to it was the fetal monitor, of course, because I was trapped, you know, with the dragging cords and machine equipment every time I moved about. And so I would be standing and like swaying. My husband would be behind me like with his hands on my hips then try to just cope with this like rolling pain. And then I laid down and it was like the end. I mean, I was writhing in pain. I could not lay down, you know, but they wanted me to lay down because of the baby's heart rate or whatever it was. And I was like, can I just stand up again? That would feel better. So I'm laying down and I'm like not handling it. I mean, I'm not going inward. I'm not feeling like I'm in any sort of control. It's like I'm so hyper aware of the agony. And my mother was there and she just could barely stand to see me look like this. So then the nurse comes in and she said, I'm going to go to lunch. You know, I'll be back in an hour, whatever she said. And my mother said, can you check her dilation before you go? And so the nurse said, sure. And she didn't seem too happy about it, but she did it. And I was only at four centimeters. I mean, it would have been long suffering. So I was at four centimeters and my mother and I looked at each other. She said, can we just get a, an epidural? And the woman looked at us like, really? You know, because it's not very far along. So then we scheduled the epidural and the epidural guy comes in. I think all people have to be out of the room. So husband was out, mother was out. It was just me and the doctor. And the whole time I'd been like terrified of this process of the epidural. That was the only reason I wanted to do natural delivery was just to not get an epidural. The idea of like a long needle going in my back. So you're having, I'm having these rolling, horrible contractions. He was leaning forward. The doctor gave me the epidural and it did not immediately go make the pain go away. So you kind of felt pain. You're like, when is it going to start working? And then when it works, it's like this flood of joy comes over you. I mean, it's, I can't even describe it. It's just like someone just opens a valve of pressure, you know, and it's like, wow, I, I can think about other things than the pain, you know, think about the fact that I'm going to have this child and, you know, all this whole process. And then not too long after, it felt like almost immediately, the doctor comes in and checks my dilation and I was at full dilation. And it was almost as though I couldn't dilate because I was in so much pain. So at this point, I had a monitor strapped to my belly, I had an IV, I had an epidural, I had a catheter, and then they put a fetal monitor attached to the baby's head. So I had like six tubes going in and out of my body from various places. And my husband was like, seriously, it was like a scene from Alien. I mean, there were at least four tubes going in your vagina and then multiple tubes all around you and then like beeping monitors around you. It was very strange. It was time to push and the nurse came in. Her voice was really saccharine. It was like this really sweet, quiet voice. And it was like one, two, three, 
four, and I just wanted to murder her until I got far enough along, and then the doctor came in. Eric was holding one leg, and my mother was holding the other leg, and the doctor was in between my legs, of course, and he was exactly the personality I needed. I didn't need to be soothed. I needed to be, like, yelled at. I needed this baby out of me. He was like, push! But it was just perfect, because it was like, okay, you really bear down, really push. You needed that. You didn't need someone, like, whispering to you. So I'd push, and my mother, and I was like, is it anything happening? You know, because I couldn't feel it. Because of the epidural, I knew I was pushing. I could, like, feel con some contracting happening or some cramping happening. But I really couldn't tell if I was doing it right, and I was having, I was flooded with all this self-doubt. Is anything happening? Is, is it working? Am I pushing hard enough? Am I failing? You know, I, I just couldn't tell. I could tell I had all these three faces. I, could, I was looking at their faces and they were looking at my vagina. <laughs> and I could see in their faces that they weren't satisfied, you know, that it was like, is it working? And they said, well, it's just that I can, we can tell that it, the baby's moving forward. But then as soon as you stop pushing, it goes back up. You know, it goes back inside. And it just kept happening again and again. It just felt like no progress. And then the doctor said, can we do an episiotomy? He was like, we need to do an episiotomy. He's like, yes, do it. An episiotomy is when they can, they can cut you in various ways, but they're cutting you at the lower part of your vagina to extend your vagina. And as soon as they did, the baby emerged. And they pull him up, and this, like a, a bloody mess, purple lips, and just making this little lamb cry. It wasn't a whale. It was just the cutest little lamb cry. I'll never forget the sound of it. And he has this thick umbilical cord. And I'll never forget the umbilical cord was like, if you were to hold your index finger and your thumb together, that thick. And it was like two cords wrapped around each other. And one was red and one was blue. They clamped it off and he cut it. And I remember him saying, my God, this is so hard to cut. It was just like cutting through rubber. It was just really amazing looking. So they put the baby on my chest, and I'm holding the baby, and Eric is standing to my right, and he's weeping, and my mother's to my left with a video camera. And I remember this feeling of just awe. You know, I didn't feel that rush of emotion like I was crying, and I just couldn't believe this was my baby. Just the complexity of that, I remember just being really, not just a sheer flood of joy, but also fear. I have the baby and Eric is next to me and my mother's on the other side and it felt like this really wonderful trinity and then right there in between my legs, beautifully lit up was my doctor, stitching me up and he would dip down with the needle and thread and then pull it way up high so I could see it and then dip down and then pull it way up high and I'll never forget that. It was just so surreal like I'm having this intimate moment, you know, with my immediate family and my new baby. And then I look over it and here's this man like completely at work with like no sense of what's happening above my vagina. He's just all about that and like sewing it up. And they take the baby, weighing him and doing various things to him. And Eric was over there. My mother was over there. And so I decide I'm going to get up and walk over there. So I walk over there and the nurse comes and she goes, oh, you're bleeding. Like that, like, oh, you're bleeding, you know. Oh, like, oh, you cut yourself, you know, just very casual about it. And I turn around and it's like, oh, yeah, I am. Like someone had taken a bucket of blood and like just splashed it onto the floor between the bed to where I was standing. And I just thought, how, how can this be normal? You know, how can you lose all this blood and go through all of this and still be walking around? And it just didn't seem right. So they kept us there for about four days, but it wasn't a problem because I was really able to just recover and it was just this little room and my mother had like a little t blow up twin bed or something and she slept there much of the time and it was just august and me and he never really left the room so he was able to sleep in bed with me it was really this wonderful intimate time without having to like 
deal with being in my own house and like our dogs and just the day-to-day stuff that you feel like, you know, you're dealing with when you're in your house. And as soon as I got home, you know, it was chaos. Like just figuring out how to be a mother. August was a really challenging baby. He just constantly cried. Nothing was wrong with him. We took him to see the pediatrician. They said, oh yeah, um, he's a fussy baby. Like that's the diagnosis. He's a fussy baby. So, you know, besides the fussiness, like you can get through it, you know, this is your job. But I just felt like utterly enslaved. He really could only ever sleep in my arms. Eric, my husband, got to like shower and go to the bathroom and come and go as he pleased without having to consult with me before he did those things. But I constantly was like, could you hold August while I shower? And then I had to be in the shower and hear him crying like the entire time. Or, you know, could you hold him while I go to the bathroom? And then again, I'd be trying to go to the bathroom, he'd be crying and it was just really hard. The entire burden was on me. And of course I loved him, I was very excited, but I just, I did feel very much enslaved. You know, I didn't feel like my own person. I felt more of my own person when I was growing another person inside me than I did when he finally came out. But it's been about four years and he's a wonderful kid, you know, strong, funny, has really developed a personality. We've gotten over those difficult times and definitely made me a stronger person, but I will never have another kid. Rosalind Shipley, holding the space.